Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Cabrini Green is, for the most part, history. The one-time public housing development on the near north side started being torn down in the late 1990s, and in 2011, the last of the old buildings were demolished. So what happened to all the people who lived there? Well, when push came to shove, many of the tenants got shoved out, perhaps never to return. This weekend, we'll look back at that troubled history and ahead with thoughts on how to keep such history from repeating itself. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. The name came from combining two public housing projects, the Francis Cabrini Row Houses and the nearby William Green Homes, and Cabrini Green was home to around 15,000 people. But over time, it fell victim to crime and neglect, and it was Exhibit A in discussions about the failures of public housing in the United States. So there was a plan for transformation, but things didn't work out as planned. Our friends at the Better Government Association investigated what did happen to the housing complex and its residents. The report was headlined Cabrini Green, A History of Broken Promises. And in fact, the BGA put on a, uh, an online forum earlier this month that uh, sadly was derailed by a hacker. They eventually recorded their uh, the discussion and uh, that's available on the BGA's website. But this weekend, we're going to talk about that history and the people and what lessons we have or should have learned. My guests include David Kidwell, Special Projects Editor for the Better Government Association. The BGA is a not-for-profit government watchdog group that's developed a really good pension for investigative journalism. Uh, Alejandro Cancino was the senior writer on this project. How good is Alejandra at this? Well, she's been hired away from the BGA. She is now the deputy editor at City Bureau, but she has graciously agreed to come back to help us with this program. And J.R. Fleming also joins us. He's been a Cabrini Green community leader and advocate for a while now, and I thank all three of you for joining me. David Kidwell, I'm going to start with you. Cabrini Green's been talked about for decades. What gave rise to this project now? Well, I'm going to give all the credit to 
to Alejandra. Uh, she came to me with this idea. Um, it was a it was a little bit um, uh, unformed when we started about it. You know, it, it, it had been many many years, um, and we decided to take a look back, and we came across this video um, of these uh, residents of Cabrini when this was first proposed, when this whole idea from the Richard Daly administration was first proposed. And it is, it, it was a striking to me because it was clear that 20 years ago, the people who lived at Cambrini knew what was going to happen. They, they all had been through this broken promise cycle so often and they, and they saw all these people from the daily administration standing up there in the dais, and it got very, very contentious. And all of the things that they said, it turns out, have come to pass, right? They didn't get anything that they were supposed to get, that they were promised. And, and it's, it's just striking how, how, um, how adamantly that they knew and how adamantly nobody was listening to them at the time. Uh, Alejandro Cancino, give us a taste of the kinds of things that you found as your team and you started going through the records and, and talking to people. So we wanted to know, you know, especially from that, you know, um, meeting that David mentions, the meeting happened in 1997. Um, we sort of thought about it, David thought about it as in this idea of like, well, why don't you find the promises? Can we track the promises? And we'll can we track what has been delivered? And the main promise was that they will be, that the residents of Cabrini Green will be able to return to Cabrini Green. And so at the time we're, we're talking about 3,600 units, 3,600 families, which roughly it's about the number that you cited earlier, 15,000 people. And so in order to do that, you know, units uh, had to be replaced, right? This, the city of Chicago and the CHA demolish uh, all of the high rises. And what the only thing that we have still have today are the row houses and they're, you know, three quarters of them are, are empty waiting to be rehabbed. And so we wanted to know who was able to return, whether those units were replaced, and then the last promise was construction, right? Like there were, there were going to be construction jobs and people from Cabrini Green were going to be able to have those construction jobs. And the number cited at the time was 2,500 construction jobs. And we found that no, none of those promises were actually fulfilled. The promises were broken. Mm. Um, J.R. Fleming, uh, the, I'm sure that back when this was first proposed, it probably sounded great, but as uh, David Kidwell says, people kind of knew. So what was the feeling uh, in Cabrini Green and around Cabrini Green about what was being promised and what was pos possible? Well, we knew, <clears throat> so first of all, thanks for having me. We knew from the beginning that uh, they were lying. You know, we, we from Chicago, this isn't our first go round. <laughs> um, very well organized community for generations. Um, we, we knew that the numbers didn't match up um, the programming. So when they talked about 2,500 construction jobs, we knew it was very few people over there like myself and others, my sister. Like I can name all 40 workers that actually got the jobs, right? Uh, we knew that this would be hard because the CHA put nothing in place to keep their promise. They put nothing in place to keep their construction job promises. They, they, kept, they put nothing in place 
to ensure that we had a right to return. I think we'll often get missed about Cabrini Green, unlike any other public housing, that it took residents organizing and fighting for a federal consent decree to mandate that we have a right to participate. And we didn't just get that by just going to the federal government. Cabrini Green took his case to the United Nations. That's why my background is in human rights, right? We had to take our case to him to the United Nations to embarrass America because we knew they were lying. And we didn't just want Chicago watch and the country watch. We wanted the whole world to watch because as Alejandro and everybody say, this is the biggest overhaul of public housing in America and it's a precedent for social housing in Europe, you know, um, in, in terms of how you deal with the poor. So we knew they were lying. They lied to our parents. They lied to our grandparents. So how we as children going to feel like they didn't lie to us. So we always knew that it was a lie. You know, um, they were just trying to say uh, that they were going to give out 2,500 jobs. These are federal mandates. It's not like the city was going to create these jobs. In order to get the money from HUD, 10% of the contracts must go to minorities in Section 3 businesses, right? 25% to 30% of them jobs must go to the residents, right? And so they only quoting percentages that they were supposed to deliver. But as Alejandro uncovered, and something I've been protesting for 25 years about, and this is why we fought off the Olympics, right? And people didn't understand what the Cabrini connection to the Olympics was. No more displacement. You make all of these promises that you never deliver. That's why we've never been a proponent of the Olympics in Chicago. Because again, broken promises. You broke the promise to Cabrini, you're going to break the promise to everybody else. Let me ask though, um, and both for Alejandra and David, in looking into the paperwork and the, 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 all the records, was this a case of people having bad intentions from the beginning or was this something just falling apart because of how it, you know, the foundation on which it was constructed? You, you want me to take that, Alejandra? <laughs> She's nodding yes. So I guess you, I guess you got it, David. <laughs> I, I think that we can't get inside the heads of the people who made these decisions. What we can do is look at the parcel of land that is there that has been transformed look at its value, look at its value then and look at its value now. And people may tend to think of Cabrini Green and think, well, that doesn't affect me. But they need to understand that the city of Chicago has spent $2 billion of your money transforming a, a predominantly black neighborhood into a white neighborhood and making a lot of white, wealthy white developers even wealthier. And that's the result of all of this. They, they have taken these 3,600 families, most of whom who lived in Cabrini Green, who felt, who did not, um, uh, who, who read the headlines about Cabrini Green at the time and, and felt completely differently. I mean, um, this was a neighborhood, a community where people interacted and had cookouts and, and enjoyed each other for the most part. Um, and they took this community that essentially was forced upon the black community back when it was built um, because of segregation at the time. And they have, have completely transformed it. And the people who have benefited are not the people who lived at Cabrini um, or the taxpayers of the city of Chicago. The people who have benefited 
are the people, the well-connected uh, developers, predominantly white ones, who have been allowed to take that land over. They spent $2 billion of our money to subsidize this development. Um, and had they been honest from the very beginning, they could have just moved those people out and given that money land away and saved the $2 billion. Um, yeah. But they spent $2 billion of our money um, to do this. And so I think um, while we're not gonna get into you know, um, their intent, I think that you can look at the facts and draw your own conclusions. That's a good point. Alejandra, uh, oh, no, go, ahead, go ahead, JR. So, so Dave mentioned something that often get overlooked. He talked about um, the developers, right? I mean, one particular developer uh, in hand, and this is public information, Allison Davis. We know he's notable for, you know, we know what he's notable for, the 44th president. Just put that out there, right? Michelle got him his first job, President Obama, his first job with Allison. Allison Davis at the Department of Planning, left the Department of Planning to become a developer, lawyer turned developer, right? And he purchased properties around Cabrini Gray. Dan McLean gets a parcel of the land and he builds South Lupa by the railroads where Daly and them stay at, right? This is Dan McLean. That's why the community only chose like they're what we call the friendly developers and Peter Holston. Peter Holston is about the only one that delivered the jobs when you look at it in terms of non-construction, right? He delivered a lot of non-construction jobs to residents of Cabrini Green. Right, hosting development. He worked hand in hand with Miss Steele and them to make sure residents got in there. He didn't just depend on the CHA. And he worked on some contracting opportunities outside of the CHA for folks like our company, which was able to deliver 19 jobs in the last 18 months, right? So you had some friendly developers, and then you had them developers who were just politically connected. Like, like, like that's what we just gonna say. They were politically connected. Well. Alejandra, uh, one of the things that struck me was that you would think anytime you're moving people out and promising them that they can come back, that you have to keep really good records of where these people end up. What happened? We don't have good records. Um, from the very beginning, the Chicago Housing Authority did not um, did a, a series of, of bad, essentially bad record keeping. And, and I'll back up a little bit to say that the reason why um, they, we were able to track some of these promises is because residents took the, C, the city and the CHA to court. And in court is where they actually got what is known as, as an, an agreement that is overseen by, by a judge. And they have to submit documents uh, to the judge explaining what has been done and what hasn't been done. Um, and that's how we are able to tell how many units have been built and how many units are still remaining. There's more than 500 units that are still remaining from the promised units, replacements units there. Um, and going back to your question about uh, the, the lists, right? Like the, the CHA essentially created two different lists. Um, one of residents who have been moved out from 93 to 99, and another list of residents who were in at Cabrini Green as of 1999. Um, when we looked at the combined lists, I can tell you that um, less than 20% of the people who had a right to return have been able to return. The CHA currently does not track how many of them live there now. Um, and we know that hundreds of residents 
are essentially lost. The CHA has a higher politically connected companies to track the residents and has not been able to find them. Um, and others, other residents have died waiting. Um, some residents moved to other communities elsewhere in the city. I mean, it's been 20 years, right? Some people just wanted to move on with life. Um, there are still today 85 people waiting to return to Cabrini Green 25 years later. Wow. You are listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're talking about Cabrini Green and the promises made and broken for former residents of that past public housing complex. My guests are David Kidwell, Special Projects Editor for the Better Government Association, Alejandra Cancino, former Senior Investigative Journalist for the BGA and now Deputy Editor for City Bureau, and J.R. Fleming, Activist and Advocate for Cabrini Green. Uh, and uh, uh, JR, I want to ask you a question about one of the other promises, and that was, and you, you touched on it a bit, but businesses, this was supposed to be an economic boom for the, uh, for the people on or near, on the near north side. What happened? What did you see in terms of businesses and jobs? Just, to, just like they never gave, uh, uh, they never cared. I can't say that on the radio. Uh, um, so, so they. <laughs> right um so we had a list of how many people over there did construction right you you, you would think um the city and the cha from 91 to 95 ran a program called the step up program that would get resident ready for these jobs right and then all of a sudden they divested in the program and residents was trained in security construction finishing landscape i mean you name it right all of these construction energy uh, industry jobs and then nothing. And so we had to watch. And remember, now, I become a Section 3 business years ago, right? Um, at, while I'm an advocate, nobody's getting hired. So I'm protesting. Everybody think JR just protesting to be protesting. I mean, he's protesting about the police. He's protesting about housing. He's protesting about jobs. No, I'm protesting about a promise you made, right? As an advocate and an activist, it'll look like I'm the worst advocate and activist in the history of activism if I could only deliver, if I can only get 40 of my people hired out of 2,500 that was promised, right? So when people say this falls on the CHA, it falls on us too, right? And so it hurt every day to see people dying in this city, right? Dying in your community, folks selling drugs and going to jail when they can be making a minimum of $50,000 a year working construction, right? Because we used to say that to the mayor, and no matter who the head of the housing authority was, if you get them a job, I don't know too many people who's going to leave the construction site to rob somebody, to sell drugs, to shoot somebody. This is an economic alternative to the violence we've seen, right, in our community at the time. And all we're asking for is you to honor your word. We're not asking for a handout. We're saying keep your word. And so it was meeting after meeting after meeting to the point, again, we took the case to the United Nations. I took the case to the Senate Subcommittee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. I screamed for 15 years, misappropriations, misallocations of federal funds, and selective prosecution, right? Because I had the evidence that nobody was working. We're using TIF dollars, and you're supposed to lose your TIF money if you don't hire people, according to the TIF, right? So we're losing all of these funds, and none of it's hitting the residents, none of the jobs. And so it hurt, Craig. It hurt to have to watch it. I'm going to tell you one, like, we love Alejandra for her story. And, and I told her she kind of woke up some pain in us. Like, I'm going through PTSD right now, right, with Mayor Lightfoot and a new CEO, right? 
Because if I couldn't trust you then, you know, as government, not saying that you were the mayor again, because everybody would defer to responsibility. But if we couldn't trust government then, how are we going to trust you now? What steps are you taking now to ensure that residents are working? And I'm going to show you the tricks they play, Craig. Hosting is doing a development on Larrabee right before his, uh, he kicked off, right? Um, you're supposed to hire your residents. The contractors are looking in a database provided by CHA. They don't see no Cabrini res. They don't see me on there as a worker. They don't see me on there as a construction company, right? They don't see Brother Raymond. They don't see no Cabrini Green workers in a, in a, in a pool or, or contractors. And the CHA said it was a glitch. So they go hire people outside of Cabrini Green, Argyle Gardens, right? Other public housing re residents, hoping that it would create conflict between the outsiders coming to work in the community and those in the community that wanted to work. So yeah, it really hurts, man. It really hurts to sit back, you know, uh, I mean, know that this never happened. But the biggest blessing has been the BGA and Alejandra coming out with this story. I told people we wasn't crazy. If you <laughs> add up, Craig, 2,460 jobs at that scale, at, at, at the Davis Bacon wage back then on federal property or the union scale wage, that's a minimum of $50,000 a year. You'll come up with a tune of $123 million that wasn't delivered to residents in terms of jobs. 10% of $2 billion that they use to redevelop Cabrini Green is supposed to go to minority businesses, right? Can the CHA show $200 million or $100 million in contracted to blacks or minorities? We say follow the money since 1999, 10-199, as Alejandro stated. That's the second list, 10-199. That's the date we say. 10-199-99, can you find the money or a contractor who benefited off that $200 million? Alejandro, I want to make sure you, we get the other chapter of this because Cabrini Green is not there, but housing is. Tell me who moved, you know, people moving out. Well, who moved in? So when we looked at census data, we went back to um, try to figure out what had happened to that community. And we looked at the, at the near north side community, which includes a little bit of the Gold Coast. But essentially, I can tell you that um, about a third of the near north side used to be um, in included, about a third of the residents of the near north side were black residents. Today, it's less than 10%. And what that says to me is what exactly what you're look what you're seeing when you walk in the street. It's a, a community of mostly white affluent community that has moved and, and replaced the Cabrini Green residents who were there before. Um, I I think I want to add as well that you know even though we were looking back at the history of Cabrini Green, this is not over. The city of Chicago last year approved the additional expenditures of $600 million that will be in their words to fulfill the promises to Cabrini Green residents. And so this will continue. There are a number of empty parcels of land that, it, and there's already tension that some of the community members, especially those who are condo owners, um, want those parcels of land to stay empty. Um, even though there are still hundreds of public housing units that were promised that have not, be, not been built. Obviously the community uh, who was there before former Cabrini Green residents and public housing residents want those units to be delivered. Um, so that will come to head in the next couple of years as we, as the city and the CHA continue to develop those parcels of land. I, I am curious as to how 
the row houses that are part of the original uh, development are still abandoned and awaiting work a quarter century later, uh, and that, 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 you, that they're still a waiting list. Because, so the row houses initially were, uh, the CHA had promised that 100% of the row houses were going to stay as public housing units. Um, and what ended up happening was that in um, 20, 2007 or so, the CHA essentially said, oh, never mind. They uh, backtracked their, pro their promise. And instead they said um, that only a portion of the units were going to be public housing and the rest would be redeveloped. Now the residents were really upset about this, especially the ones who were living in the row houses and they took the CHA back to court. And there was a second agreement specifically with the row houses that essentially um, the new agreement is that up to 40% of the row houses will be for public housing residents and the rest will be rehab as um, what they're calling mixed income communities. So a mix of affordable and market rate units. Um, in the meantime, the row houses are now considered historic. So the outside of the building cannot be changed, but the inside of the building will be changed for the new families to that will move there. And it's taken a very long time for the CHA to actually release what is known as a request for development or a request for proposals from developers. Finally, that was approved and released last year, but is now still, we're still waiting to see uh, who the, what the proposals were and what exactly was submitted. Um, David Kidwell, I want to ask you Packer. what, just what give me give me just a, a second, J.R. Fleming. Uh, David Kidwell, I want to ask you what are the lessons that people should be learning from what happened so that something like this uh, can be better handled going forward? Well, you know, as as a journalist, and I'm sure Alejandro will repeat this, I mean, you you want to remain dispassionate and and objective and i gotta tell you it was hard on this one because and it and it and it was it was um we were awash in lawsuits and tiff districts and development deals and redevelopment deals and 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 it it, it was it was a, a mess until we until i saw the tape of that meeting and i thought that's it that's the story um uh, it, it's it's how the people who lived in that community were treated from the very first inceptions of this, how they were lied to, and how um, and 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 how. It, it, what's interesting is they could have taken a bulldozer to Cabrini Green and 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 set up a ribbon along the edge and said, "Here, developers, first come, first serve. Go do it," and not spent a dime of public money. They've spent $2 billion of our money subsidizing white developers to, to turn this com black community into a white community. And we did the math. And, and, and if you took that $2 billion and divided it among the 3,600 families that live there, it, it, it amounts to $550,000 per family. They could have bought them each a, a bungalow on the South side, sent their kids to college and paid their taxes for 10 years with that money. And instead they handed it to a bunch of white, already wealthy white developers. And, and it, it, it is really, really striking. And I think um, um, 
when uh, privileged people um, read this, um, they can't help but understand or be given more context in, into the history of this town and how it has treated um, it, its, its minority citizens. And, and, and it's, 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 it was a hard story to, to do, it was a hard story to write, but I, I can't tell you um, uh, how, how proud I am of Alejandra and the work, uh, and the work that she did to put it together. J.R. Fleming, we've only got about a minute left, but I'm gonna give you the last word because it seems to me that community getting the community involvement is the one thing that should have been there all along and that turned around so that what things you could get were gotten. I mean, so that we, we, we're looking for, right? We, don't, we can't dwell on the past anymore, you know. We're just praying that this administration, the mayor's office and them really take a, a look at Cabrini Green and put together an inclusive process. We're hopeful because this city, the mayor, and, and, and folks have been using the term equity. Thanks to the BGA, moving forward, we now get to see what equity will look like. Will history repeat itself? Or will this administration fix a bunch of broken promises and make right by the people they harm? Uh, can, can I ask you just very quickly, I'm assuming you are gonna stay involved and other community members are gonna stay involved Oh, I'm definitely like we, we, we have some planned activities coming up. Can't say much. I appreciate these conversation. Um, we have a lot of planned activity to bring a bunch of light to what's going on. And, and just for the record, we appreciate the BGA. But this isn't just a story about the Green Green broken promises. Ida B. Wells, Henry Horner, Stateway Garbage, Robert Taylor and across the country, public housing folks was done like this. We got to correct it all. Thank you. Thank you. That is J.R. Fleming, the community activist and advocate. I also want to thank David Kidwell, the BGA Special Projects Editor, and of course, Alejandra Cancino, formerly of the Better Government Association and now with City Bureau. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 1059 WBBM. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 